Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. My name is Travel Risk Bex, and here I am, excited again, because this is how I seem to start every podcast, because I get to just interview people that I really love and care for and respect, and people who have kind of come into my life over the last couple of years as I've made this transition from the travel side into the travel risk management side. Um, And today is no exception. So my guest is Alan, Alan Simpson. Um, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you, Alan, talk talk about yourself in just a moment. But just to reflect, so we've met again through this work that we've been doing with BSI and ISO. We take it back a little bit further and it was, it was Rob, one of your partners, the business partners that, um, that kind of introduced himself to me. Um, and then obviously it just opened my eyes to another world, which I cannot wait to explore on this podcast. I can't believe I'm getting so excited about this, but we all know I'm a geek when it comes to travel risk management and I'm really getting into stuff and under the skin because we seem to have this approach that it's just this kind of tick box exercise and everything's fine. And actually that doesn't really kind of get to where we need to be when we start looking at 31030 and what we're trying to achieve with this, which is ultimately safety for our people. So uh, without any further ado, Alan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Bex. Thanks for having me. I'm well, as everyone knows, I'm very excited that you're here. So um, without further ado, let me ask the first question and, and you can introduce yourself to our audience. So, Alan, who are you and what is it that you do? Uh, I'm, as you pointed out, I'm Alan Simpson. Um, I provide data protection and privacy management services, um, primarily for the hotel industry in the UK. And uh, up until recently, we were doing that using a service called Hotel DPO. Uh, DPO stands for Data Protection Officer. Um, but because of changes that are happening in, in UK data protection legislation that are going through Parliament at the time of, that, that we're talking today, um, we are, are changing our services uh, to be called uh, Responsible Data Use. Um, because partly because it, it, it more reflects more and more accurate, accurately reflects the, the types of services and the attitudes that we want um, to encourage through our clients uh, towards the use of personal data and towards data protection. We feel that it's, it's rather better to come at it with an emphasis on uh, taking responsibility for what you're going to do with other people's information as opposed to, to the, uh, the sort of um, heavy compliance route where yeah. people come along and tell you, you know, either you're not compliant or you should be compliant or, uh, and that tends to put people, especially hoteliers on the back foot a little bit. You know, hoteliers we've found are very, very busy people. They've got an awful lot of other things to contend with, especially just now in terms of the, you know, the economic challenges and staffing and skills problems that they're addressing. Um, so making it um, easier 
by simplifying their route to, to addressing data protection issues is what uh, we're about at, at, at responsible data use. I love it. No, I think that's a really, uh, I like the change. We did talk about it off air a little bit. And obviously when we caught up and it, it makes sense. And I, and I think we can explore a little bit about what are some of these changes that are happening. Obviously, we were following an EU directive previously, weren't we? And I guess we are now out of the EU. So we're looking at making some changes. So perhaps you can talk about some of the changes around that. And then I really want to dive into why you do what you do. Okay, so we're going to get into the why a bit earlier than normal. But I, I don't necessarily mean your why and your passion. I just mean as in the bit that people don't get when we're talking about data with hotels and data security. Okay. Um, because we sort of have this broad stroke approach again. So so what is it that people don't know, Alan? Uh, but let's just briefly talk about what's going on with GDPR. Because both of us have had conversations recently where we've been advised by various providers um, that GDPR is, well, I was literally told that travel risk management is probably like GDPR, it will probably just go away, to which I was like, I don't think it's gone away, I think GDPR is a, a law, isn't it? So um, there seems to be a bit of a, a strange attitude to these things, which I'm sure you experience all the time. So so let's get into the changes first, what's happening? Okay, um, well, the, effectively, when, when the UK left the EU, um, our Data Protection Act uh, included or still includes um, what's called the UK GDPR. So whilst the EU GDPR certainly, uh, you know, the, 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 the way that the law is applied is no longer an EU law, it's a UK law. So, so from the point of view of somebody saying, you know, if they're referring to the EU GDPR having, having passed, which is what people have been telling me sometimes, it, it's not passed, it's maybe moved to the side a little bit. Um, but still, if you are a UK hotelier, providing services to EU citizens, you still need to comply with the GDPR. And the, the UK version is, is, is pretty much the same, you know, it's the same structure, the, the, the same basically articles and, and um, pieces within the law. Um, there, there is just obviously now there is a UK focus to what was going on before. So, uh, the changes that, that are coming now, there's a, a data protection bill uh, at the time of recording today that, that, that this is going through Parliament, it's gathering evidence, it's and so on just now. And it's uh, proposing to make changes to the way that the Data Protection Act in the UK works. Um, and there are some changes, some some positive changes. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily all a bad thing. Um, so there are changes to, to try and make it a little bit uh, more effective. Um, there is a certain element of, of, of replacing EU things with UK things. So it, it, there are parts of it that to me feel as though they're, they're basically trying to rub out the, the EU flag on, on some of the pieces and then sticking a Union Jack over the top of it. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some bits. It, it may look slightly different. It may sound slightly different, but it's still doing the same things. It's still demanding the same standards of um, data protection and, and the approach to privacy. Um, things like, you know, the data protection principles, which are Article 5 of the GDPR, they're not going to change. And they are really the, the, the fundamental guidelines for the way that, that any business needs to behave towards personal data when it collects it. 
So they're not changing. The security things won't change. The accountability won't change. One of the things that is changing, the reason why I had to change a business name is because the, the, the proposals at the moment are planning to get rid of the role of the data protection officer and replace it with what they call a senior responsible individual. Okay. And the main, the main difference there is that, that now that senior responsible individual can be an officer of the company, they can be um, a, you know, a, a senior person, senior responsible individual within the business. They don't have to have that, that specific data protection officer role. Um, there are still situations where you've got to watch that there's not a conflict of interest because the data protection officer has very specific yeah. um, tasks um that that i think they're trying to sort of move sideways from a little bit with the, with the senior responsible individual but i think the fundamentals will still be the same i think there will be a little bit the window dressing will, will change um there are certainly some things that are, are going to change for the better there are changes for example with regard to um the collection of data for medical research and, and things like that which um i i worked um, as a contractor in the NHS on COVID projects during COVID. And I can remember how tricky it could be sometimes to get the data collection and processing right because not so much GDPR, but sometimes another regulation called PECA or the um, uh, Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations, um, which can sometimes or could sometimes with their depending on how they were interpreted, get in the way of you actually collecting the data to do really important work with. Mm. Um, so there are some changes coming with that, which are very positive. And certainly any, any adjustments to do with things like direct marketing and enabling the use of data for direct marketing within a set of guidelines and, and sort of safety barriers, if you like. Um, these, these are all good. These are all positive. These are all... Um, the information commissioner likes to talk about uh, enabling data and enabling the, the data economy, um, which the is, data is economy. yeah. Well, there you know it's it's absolutely critical. You know the the, the value of data needs to be realised by the individual, in our case the traveller, um, as well as the organisation that seeks to to use the data. There needs to be an equal value exchange there. Yeah, yeah, it's fundamental fairness. No, and if, if, if that if that exchange is skewed in any way, then it becomes very dangerous. And I think that's the battle, right? That's why these guidelines appear. Thank you so much for that. So I think um, everyone, I just for the record, it's not going away. <laughs> the fundamentals aren't changing. It's still no. the law. We're just making a few tweaks. We're 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 putting our UK stamp on it, and potentially uh, making it a little bit easier for certain things, which. I think comes back down to understanding your rights and respecting your data that you own, right? Respecting that it's it's part of you. So let's just let's just get back into let's get into your why, okay? Let's just get straight into this because I know that it fuels everything that you do. So what is it that we, you know, what is it that's got you to this space? And 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 what is it we don't know? What are we not looking at? You know, what we're not very good at this, are we? We're not very good at looking after ourselves. So why do you do what you do, Alan? I, 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 well, my first experience of dealing with a, a data protection issue was, gosh, it would have been way back in the early days of the internet even. Um, as a, an, elder, an elderly relative of mine um, suffered from uh, uh, an identity theft. 
his identity was stolen and uh, lots and lots of um, loans and mobile phones and all sorts of things were taken out in his name using his details. And he couldn't work out what had happened. And um, at the time, the banks were hopeless. Um, the police were hopeless. Um, and it was, it was, have you ever had to sit and watch somebody's life cave in on them? Because somebody has uh, misappropriated their personal data. Wow. Um, and not much of it, just enough to, mm. to be able to put in these applications. And because there's not enough safeguards, there's not enough checks in place to guard against that when it happens. And certainly um, not so, then. Certainly no, not. certainly not then, no. Um, oh, it's much better now, but it's still vulnerable now if you're not careful. Um, so I, I got involved and helped him. And uh, we were eventually were able to investigate it to the point where we'd worked out where his data had gone missing, who, who had actually collected it. Oh, wow. And because he was a very careful man, yeah, you know, he he he, yeah. he uh, had worked in finance all his life, and he knew how to look after him his his information. It was so stressful, and it was, well, for was for him, and you know, just sitting watching everything. it, and it, it wow. just became it became an interest of mine, and it never really popped up again until um, about twenty sixteen. Um, when I was involved in doing direct marketing campaigns for hotels and the GDPR sort of hoved into view in 2016. Um, and we looked at it and just thought, this is going to change our industry completely. Um, because at the time, you know, it was an old data protection act, the one from 1998 that was in, 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 in force in the UK. And a lot of our clients really only sort of paid lip service to that. They didn't really make much of an effort to comply with it. And we looked at what the GDPR was going to do and just thought, this is going to change everything. Um, so we got involved in it. Um, I ended up, um, uh, you know, you go off and you get yourself some experience in it and you get the qualifications and, and you, you go and do the, the, the professional courses and things and you, you learn how it works. And um, I got involved in it from there and, and ended up providing it as, as it, it became the main service as we came into the run up for the GDPR becoming live in the UK in, in May 2018. And that was the main service that I was providing to my clients. And, and at the time, there was a great deal of snake oil being sold. You know, it was all about the fines. The fines were dreadful and you must be terrified of the fines. And really, the risks have got nothing to do with the fines. The, the real practical risk to most businesses have got nothing to do with the fines. And indeed, the ICO in the UK, John Edwards, has, has made it clear that um, he doesn't see fining or hitting businesses with big fines as the way ahead. So they don't. So the real risk is somewhere else. It's not the Because everyone's on a journey with this stuff, aren't they? And it's Absolutely. It's, yeah, trying to meet them where they're at rather than, again, smashing them down with fines. Well, this, this is it. This is it. You're, you're trying to encourage positive behaviour with this as opposed to begrudged compliance. Need help implementing a standard or maintaining a management system? Ascent Risk Management can support you throughout any stage of your project. The expert team delivers impartial consultancy and auditing services across multiple disciplines, including information security, cybersecurity, environmental sustainability, health and safety, quality management, and business improvement. More than just box ticking, their team works in collaboration with yours to build up bespoke management systems that return real business benefits. 
find Ascent online at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com. There's so many similarities with that and exactly how I felt about 31030 when I got into it. I just saw it and went, this is going to change everything. It's going to take time, but it's going to change everything. And of course, data is a massive part of cybersecurity and all of that side is a massive part of the travel risk management standard, as you well know, as you're part of all of this. Um, I just, I mean, just reflecting on your first one, your elderly elderly relative, I just want to, I get it. (laughs) Um, And I think, I mean, I've never had that experience and I just can't imagine how horrendous it must have been. Thank God you were there and thank God you were able to kind of help them. But I think this is the thing. Even someone who's careful doesn't really understand. So let's, let's, can we break into the hotel space a little bit? Can we just talk about what happens to someone or the, you know, what, what are the risks around someone in a hotel as far as cybersecurity and data is concerned? Okay. In 2023. In 2023, all right then. When we've been we've been talking about this, is that it, it, it never really became clear to me how important this was, Bex, until we were we were talking about this in the context of ISO 31030, where the risks to me were being expressed as the risk to the individual as the point of presence, right? And I was sitting watching the the, the, the the seminar going on and I'm thinking, oh, but with the personal data, it's not just the point of presence. It's not where you as an individual are, it's where your data has gone. And from so so I, I, I started thinking about this and I, I put together a little illustration which um which you've already admitted floats your boat. Um, Bex, it's it, it's it's an analogy that is if you think about the the data flowing through through your business as as or your personal data flowing through your business uh, in terms of it being a little boat. So at the bow, it has a bow wave of data um, which arrives before you do at a hotel. Right? Then you've got the 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 main um, hull of the boat which gathers data as you are in the hotel. And that's when your point of presence is there. Because the thing about the bow wave is, if you're on a trip and you're going to stay in multiple locations, there will be multiple points of presence for your data before you arrive in these places. And your data is at risk from the second it arrives in those places before you do. So back to the hull, you're in the hull of the boat, you're in the hotel, um, data is starting to gather around your, your your record in the hotel. What you do, what you look at, who you consort with, um, what you eat, uh, what your preferences are, uh, the films you watch in the room, what you connect to in the hotel Wi-Fi, the websites you look at when you're on the hotel Wi-Fi, um, all sorts of stuff. Your car registration plate, loads of things get, get gathered up by the hotel. And this is one thing that hotel hotel managers sometimes don't really appreciate is that um, the data subject or the guest um, is somebody that's with them for periods of 24 hours or more. So you get to see as a hotelier that person's entire life play out in front of your staff, your data collection systems, your CCTV cameras, everything. You see their behaviour, good and bad. And I, I used to be a night manager in a big London hotel. Exactly. I know what the behaviour looks like in the middle of the night. Um, so uh, there, there's all sorts of things, you know, behaviour that, that, that some 
of the travelling public may not necessarily want to be recorded and shared. And let's think here just, you know, there's data footage. We're talking about CCTV footage here, right? There's video mm -hmm. footage, there's audio footage, there's, there's everything. We're not just talking about, you know, lines on a spreadsheet of data. We're talking of oh, all images of and yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So there, there's all just sorts that, of things. Just let that sink in, everyone, just for a second. I just, I just want to go back to... But prior to getting to the hotel, there's the wave. But but when you were in the hotel, like a magnet, there is data gathering around you. It's all gathering. I'm not the, thinking about at all. Yeah, the issue is the digital age. Because yeah. back in the days, like when I was the night manager in the, the, the big London hotel, um, the security videos were VHS cassettes. Right? And they were kept in a lock filing cabinet. But nowadays these CCTV systems are recording onto digital drives. Yeah. It can easily be copied, they can be hacked, they can be compromised. It's, it becomes part of the, what's called the attackable surface area in terms of, of, of the, the, the data storage being used by the hotel. Now, they may be separated out, but things tend to have sort of wee strange network connections going on, whether they're wireless or wired or, or, or whatever. So you've just got to be aware of the fact that all these systems can be connected. And as soon as all these systems get connected, somebody somewhere can get in at one point and find their way to another within that system. Mm -hmm. And if that's a bad person, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So once the data has been all collected and used by the hotel, and they, they use it for quite reasonable purposes. You know, they want to personalize your stay. They want to be relevant to what you're doing. They want, you know, they want to call you by name and things like that. Um, they collect all that data. I, I, I do have some examples of hotels then gathering data from your Facebook profile so that they can better personalize your stay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can... Okay. So that's that's what's called merging of see, data sets. That's... I can see why that's a good thing on one side. Um, it's, it's... Really, not from really... my point of view. Well, it's scared. Don't get me wrong. It scares me more than anything else. But I can see that the intent was good. Hopefully, I, I can understand why they want to do it. But but merging but data no, sets no. is 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 a is an not issue. A good thing. And then we have once the boat has passed through, you're left with um, the wake, what's coming off the stern of the boat. So when you check out the hotel, that data doesn't check out when you do, right? It stays in the hotel, right? Now, some of it, the hotel has a, has, has, has a lawful reason for, for retaining it. It needs to be able to prove certain aspects of financial transaction and, and yeah, so on. Yeah, the audit, the so, card details, all of that. That's right, stuff. right. Okay. Well, it's not so much the card details, the number, but maybe the last four digits. That's, that's an interesting distinction to make. Um, but all the behavioural stuff, all, all, they can only really keep that if you give them consent to retain it so that they can personalise a future state, so that they can put you in what's called their guest history. Right? So um, there are some pieces of data that they can keep because the law allows them to keep it. And there are other methods of communication, say, for example, your email address, your mobile phone number, phone number in general, uh, where if they are going to use that to communicate with you, and they should be from a marketing point of view, they should be maintaining a contact with you, but you would need to give them consent to be able to use that. Yeah. And again, similarly to there being multiple points of, pre of, of presence and risk before you arrive, once you've left, 
if you've been on a trip around Europe, you've now left little bits of data in every hotel behind you. And again, this in terms of what's called the, the, this attackable surface area, that's a problem because you've now left behind you all sorts of behavioral information, which may be useful for a naughty person to bring harm to you in terms, you know, they might, if they were able to access it, they might be able to use it to, to mount some sort of phishing attack on your, a spear phishing attack. If you're talking to, you know, we're talking about with travel risk management, sometimes you're talking about high risk value, you know, high value you customers coming and yeah. staying in hotels, senior corporate executives who have access to senior corporate stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so all the assets, the systems and so on that they would have access to. And if a bad actor has lots of information about that person, they can use that to compromise them. And I think this is the key. You know, companies can kind of be like, well, yeah, but we've got our protection. We've got our, our walls around us. You know, we've, 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 we've spent millions on, on all of this stuff. But I think that it's these weak points that people just aren't considering, isn't it? Such as where you're staying and actually... I'm not trying to, it's not just hotels. This happens across airports. This happens across train stations. It's all these these points of convenience on, mm-hmm. you know, it would be just a charger on a train or whatever from one side seem really kind of innocent, but actually on the other side, this is how all this data is kind of coming and this is how you're made. I absolutely love the analogy of a ship. I just, this this kind of movement before you, nobody thinks about this in travel risk management like this. Well, maybe they do, but I've not heard them talk about it like this. So I'll, I'll give it to you, Alan, on this one. But it's this idea of this wave coming in before you've even got there. Then you're there and there's just so much collecting around you. And then afterwards, actually what you're leaving behind. And of course, we all travel in the hope that everyone's got this sorted because you've ticked a box or you haven't ticked a box. But actually, what is happening to that stuff in the background? What is being done with it? And if you are doing a trip, that it's not just hotels, is it? It's every restaurant you visit. It's every train station. It's everything. You've got this kind of digital shadow or echo or whatever we want to sort of, what do we call it? A digital footprint? Yes, you could call it a footprint. Yes, yes, digital trail. I think the important thing to remember about this is 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 not to panic. Know. Yeah? Sorry, everyone, don't. Panic. Uh, no, okay, no. Well, you see, there. I, I mentioned the data protection principles earlier on, and there, there's a principle called the minimization principle, which means that you only connect just enough information to allow you to carry out whatever it is that you're doing with it. And as long as, as, as the hotels are observing the, the minimization principle and you as an individual are being vigilant when you're being asked for your information, you know, you know, if, if you're um, signing up for a, a, an email newsletter, why do they need your mobile phone number? Yeah, simple stuff like that. And then you can take that on to, you know, when you're, you're making a booking to stay in a hotel, what do you actually need to provide to make that booking? Yeah. You know, do they need your inside leg measurement? No, probably not. Um, so, you know, obviously being facetious here, but, but the, 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 there is a minimum set of information that you should be yeah. prepared to provide in these circumstances. And I think as a, as a traveling individual, you need to be aware of what that is. Or as somebody who is managing travel for somebody, you need to be aware of what that minimum set is. And you don't go outside it unless there's a very, very good reason for doing so. 
and that comes through training and education and I think you know we've just got to remember that outside of the EU or the UK or whatever laws we end up with here you know this get outside of this and it's completely different you know you've got completely different use of data and how it's allowed to be used in the US Um, and I would assume globally it gets used in completely different ways so I just think people just aren't aware of of where it can go and what can happen and how easy it is to have identity fraud. I think yes, there's certainly the, the the legislation throughout the world is is different. It's it's not necessarily dramatically different. In the USA, the the attitude is 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 different, but the effect is more or less the same. Right? Mm-hmm. USA is slightly different in that it doesn't have a, yet a, a federal um, data protection law, but it does have a lot of sector specific data protection and privacy laws. And there, there's increasing number of states coming out with their own um, data protection laws. Um, but the regulators in the USA do have teeth. The Federal Trade Commission, for example, is quite prepared to use the sanctions available to it in terms of, of penalising companies that don't get privacy right. Uh, and indeed, there was a case recently where an officer of a company went to jail because, in the USA because okay, they ignored wow. privacy things. So. There, there, there are serious implications. Like that, have we yet? No one's gone to jail. We, we, I don't think anybody's gone to jail. No, but there, there is a provision within the law for it to happen. Yes, there are yes. criminal provisions within. within. Yeah. No. Um, you need to be going some to in order to to get there, but but you know some people's attitudes might get them there. Yet you never know. Well, you never but know. There, there are other laws throughout the world, like like you know the 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 Brazilian. Um, data protection laws very similar to the GDPR. And you have data protection laws popping up there, you know, China, Russia has data protection laws. Um, and they, they all have very interesting aspects to them in terms of things like data localization. In other words, if you're processing information about a Russian citizen, you do it in Russia. Yeah. And a lot of countries have that. Uh, and it's just st- things that you've got to be aware of, you know, if, yeah. if you are if you are processing the data of these people as they are moving about, uh, there are implications that you sometimes need to be aware of when you're talking about global travel. I, look, 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 I told you we're at 29 minutes. I can't believe it. And I haven't even got to your golden nuggets yet. And I just wanted oh. this. I know. I wanted this to go to where it was going to go to because I just knew that you're just this minefield of information that people just haven't even considered. Um, and we've just scratched the surface. So Alan will be coming around for around two next year. We'll be digging into this a bit further. Um, but for now, I think let's just let's just reflect on what we've learned. Just be aware as the individual of um of, of only giving the minimum information because be aware of this kind of this this presence that you have before you arrive when you arrive and when you leave um and ultimately because we sign over those rights to companies we, we kind of need to be aware of what they're what they're doing um i'm gonna and i'm gonna not touch on some of the other stuff that we were looking at as far as you know there have been big breaches in hotels and things. I don't think we need to talk about that, but we can at another time. So it does happen. It's 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 happening now. Um, but let's talk about let's be positive, um, and let's talk about perhaps as a hotelier or some sort of accommodation perspective. You, you're actually going to scratch below the surface. What are your golden nuggets, Alan, to kind of get into this space and really think about this bit a bit more deeply than I think a lot of companies were doing getting into. 2018. Okay. 
I think from a hoteler's point of view, you know, there, there are massive pressures on you now commercially to make use of personal data and to, un to, to understand and realise the value that, that is in the personal data that people give you. Um, and in order for you to realise that properly, I think you have to have respect for people's privacy and for their privacy rights. If you want to have an ongoing relationship with a customer, and you know, uh, you know their lifetime value is, is what they call it, um, then you, you want to be able to use that personal data again and again and again. It's got to be shared with you multiple times. And that's only going to happen if you have this positive relationship, if you are respectful of their privacy and you can demonstrate that you respect their privacy. That's what's really important. From the hotels, and, and this, I'll, I'll go into nugget territory here now, Bex, if that's okay. From the hotels' right. point of view, that can be quite tricky because they use a great deal of technology from a, a great many different technology providers. And these providers are usually what's called a data processor to the hotelier as the data controller. And the issue here is that the data controller is responsible for whatever the data processor does, right? But the data processor yeah. has all the technical know-how and so on. Yeah. So the hotelier is often responsible for things they don't understand and know nothing about. You know, most hoteliers don't know how an email server works, for example, right? But you use email all the time. Yeah. Cool. So you have somebody else provide that service for you. And here's the, the, the key takeaway, if anybody is, is writing any of this down at all. <laughs> I, 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 would, I think it's really important for hoteliers to, to, to understand is that you can ask people, your te technical vendors, what does it do? Simple question. What does it do? In my experience, the tech vendors hate that because they don't like explaining what it does. I, I get this because we have to do vendor assessments for technology yeah. companies. And I, <coughs> I, know, I know what happens when we go and talk to people about this. Um, but I think it's quite reasonable for the, you know, as part of the procurement process for um, when you're buying in a new property management system or a website system, anything to do with personal data for your hotel is to challenge the vendor. What does this do? with personal data, right? Because you need to remember that your, your, your customers, when they are coming onto your website or into your hotel, and you're wanting to collect their personal data to do things with, they have one question in their mind, right? And as they become more privacy savvy, this question becomes more and more important. And that is, if I give you my personal data, are you going to cause me a problem? Right? Boom. I said, yep. now or in the future, right? If I give you my personal data, are you going to cause me a problem? And the answer to that has to be no, and it has to be clearly no. If you do anything that suggests that the answer might not be no, then you may not get the business, you may not get the repeat stay. And, and that's what you as a hotelier are in business to do. That's what you're wanting to use this data for. Wow. Alan, I literally have shivers because I just, it's not, you know, I, I know that some people are going to be really savvy about this stuff, but I just think not enough people are. Um, and we're dealing with, you know, different people with different experiences. So my experience with technology, I'm not great. I maybe should be better. Um, 
And then obviously you've got a whole generation above me who are potentially some more savvy, but some others, but they have a particular perception of technology. I think that's the point. And then we get right down to our kind of newer workforce and they've got a completely different relationship with technology again that the likes of you and I will never understand fully. And we have to really respect that. What I love about this and why I wanted to get you onto the show is that you make data about the person again. It's it's like a it's like an aura around this person, you know, and it, and and it's yeah. it's going to hit wherever you hit before, and you've got to look after that. It's almost like you know we look after our mind now, we look after our bodies, we need to look after our data selves as well, and just mm-hmm. show it a little bit of respect. Um, and I think we need to, you know, we're in control of that as individuals, but we also need to kind of put out there what our expectations are with the services that we're using. And I guess that comes with, with education. Um, Alan, I knew this was going to be a really deep dive. And, and I, and I know that for some people, this might've gone a little bit techie, but it's not about that. This is about everybody. And it's about this awareness that we need to create. And that's why I wanted to bring you onto the, to the show. And I love what you guys do. I love the new company name. Thank you. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Um, And obviously we'll be carrying on doing the work that you're doing and bringing that into the new versions of the standard that are coming out, um, hopefully in the next kind of 12 to 18 months. So um, lots of work there and lots more education to be done. So everybody, um, you've been listening today to Alan Simpson. Um, This is Talking TRM. We've taken a dive into data protection, specifically with an accommodation, but looking at who our data self is and how we protect that. This isn't just something that sits, something that we don't kind of think about and we just tick a box and assume it's all okay. Once again, we need to scratch under the surface of this and really understand um, our our impact and the impact on us and the future. Alan, thank you so much. Um, We will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks' time. You can subscribe on all the normal channels. And until then, please take care of your body, your mind, and now your data self too. Thank you, Alan, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31130, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.